the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. She is wonderful, a beam of light. Here she is, Andrea Kay. You know what? Let me just sit here a moment and say that I agree with everything that was just said in that intro. (laughs) I think I'm quite the beam of light. (laughs) We're going to shed some light on today's oral arguments uh, that I was forced to sit and listen to while I was waiting to do my hit this morning, my Wednesday uh, hit the 8 to 9 a.m. appearance on Newsmax. I was for- forced to listen to this. For- fortunately, I didn't hear some of Sotomayor's comments that are raising uh, quite uh, concerns from from many Americans out there. We're going to give you, I'm going to give you my perspective of it in case you didn't hear the oral arguments. Today, I'm going to spare you from having to listen to Sotomayor compare fetuses to dead to brain dead people. Absolutely shocking. Abs- uh, un- it shouldn't be shocking, but it was. Um, but to help us break down the legal analysis of this is our good friend Tom DeBacaro, who is a longtime not. He brings both perspectives because he's a historian. Um, um, I don't want to say a politician because he hasn't held office, uh, but he certainly understands politics and government better than anybody that I know. And he's a practicing attorney. So he understands he's written books on the Constitution. So I think he's going to give us really good legal analysis because there's lots of people today that are already putting that cart before the horse and saying that it's going to, this will be the case that overturns Roe v. Wade. And I'm like, oh, hold up. Okay. Have y'all not been paying attention to Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh? And what's been going on with this court? Uh, I I ain't count my chickens, baby. Uh, before we go further, eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. If you did listen to the oral oral arguments, if you want to get way in, do you think that the SCOTUS justices? Do you think that they tip their hand? Are you feeling confident that this is going to return uh, the abortion issue back to the states? What are your thoughts? 888-344-1170. We are streaming live right now on the Answer San Diego Facebook page. Got to bring in my man. But the myth, the legend, it's DJ Potato Skins. Hump day. Yeah, it is hump day. Uh, hit that, hit the mic button, baby. I hit the mic button. I was recording earlier, but anyway, <laughs> uh, I was like, got to give props to Hump Day. And second of all, I have no trust in our Supreme Court anymore, so I I wouldn't go as far as they're going. I I, I do think that uh, some of the, some of the things that jumped out at me, I do think that there was some really interesting comments. Um, from I'm going to give you what I think the heart of the matter is and, and what the underlying arguments are. And then I'm going to have Tom Del Beccaro bring in his legal analysis of, of what he heard today in the arguments and then give his predictions of what he thinks the possible outcomes are. And if he and if he's willing to, to actually say, based upon the questions, this is how I think that this is going to go down um, everybody today, and, and even before hearing this case, and in the middle of, of at, middle of oral arguments, at the end of oral arguments today, everybody said this case is about states' rights, because what this would do is it would return abortion to the states. And that's because that's what this case was about. And then that's what the, some of the arguments were today, because this will not end abortion in America 
if the plaintiffs here, the uh, solicitor from the state of Mississippi, what they're seeking to do is have it not be decided centrally at the Supreme Court and have it go back to the states. As viability was discussed today, so a lot of people are saying this is a case about states' rights. So much was discussed today about viability and about, you know, these states, you know, trying to go from um, uh, the current, I, I, whether it's 27 weeks or 24 weeks, whatever the current, quote, experts say, a baby becomes viable outside the womb. Uh, a lot of people are saying that's ultimately what this debate was about. It's about, uh, you know, the dignity of human life and, and uh, viability and all of that. I will tell you that I agree that what to Amy Coney Barrett today and what she said that this case is about. Ultimately, this case is about stare decisis. This isn't about women's rights. This isn't about a, a baby's viability or anything that the left is trying to tell you that this is about. This was always about and always will be about the left using the Supreme Court to, to legislate and to push their far-left agenda, in this case, the right for a woman to kill her unborn child, because that was really when the cultural Marxist movement began, the destruction of the fabric of the United States of America and their Judeo-Christian principles and values. And if they can, and then it has been precedent, right? Stare decisis. Once the Supreme Court legislates from the bench and gets some far left agenda item through, then it's precedent and it can never be overturned. And here we are 50 years later. And every time some nominee comes before uh, the, the nomination process to become a justice, it's, do you agree with stare decisis? Do you agree with stare decisis? Because it's always about the ability for the Supreme Court to completely legislate from the bench. And then once they do, it's settled. It's done. It's done. And that's where we are, where we were at this, um, the destruction of human life here. This was about, um, like I said, this, this, uh, look at what they've done here, how they have by devaluing human life, by, uh, by saying that unborn children at this point should be slaughtered well past the point. Yeah, I'm using the S word of the point of feeling pain. Look at what that's done to our culture. Look at the devaluing of life everywhere in this country. It, it, was, it was the precipice. It was the starting point in which we have destroyed every other aspect of this country. Because if you don't value life, if you don't value the life of an unborn innocent child, when somebody's six months pregnant for crying out loud, you're not going to value Anybody else's life, right? This is why we, you, you, look at, you look at the writing and the attacks and the assaults on people in the streets and across this country. I've said that this is what ultimately started and what has led to, uh, we, and we had another, we had another student uh, doing a mass shooting in a school. We've taken God out of society. Look, look at what this did. You can kill an unborn child. You think that, don't you think that was the first, the, the most meaningful de- removal of God from our society, society and the introduction of evil into the United States of America? Is there a greater way of which to destroy the fabric of America and remove Judeo-Christian principles and values than the idea that a woman gets to kill her unborn child for convenience? And that was the argument today. Convenience. Well, she shouldn't have some undue burden. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I, I thought that the 
a guy from Mississippi failed in an opportunity to talk about advancements of science in terms of viability. There was uh, there uh, the youngest premature baby to survive was at 21 weeks. I felt like there were other advancements to society that he could have talked about from the ultrasound and 3D images of children. And then back in 1973, women didn't really know at 12 weeks or 13 weeks or 11 weeks or whatever what was going on inside their womb. We know now. This is absolutely barbaric. You show pictures, Andrea, of those ultrasounds to a lot of women. Now, there's stats out there, too. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Most of them, after seeing the ultrasound, choose life. Well, and that's why... Uh, organizations, the slaughterhouse of, of Planned Parenthood wants to make sure that there's no legislation that requires a woman look at an ultrasound first. Because back in, in 1973, we didn't have this technology. I felt like there could have been greater arguments on that. Um, something else that jumped out at me today that I thought was really telling was um, and really important was Thomas. He said, you know, um, let's get to the heart of the matter. This really isn't really even about abortion. He says, what constitutional right exists for a woman to commit this act of abortion? Uh, 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 um, Well, it's really about liberty. The 14th Amendment, she goes on to say. And how different courts have, quote, interpreted a personal's right to body autonomy. And Thomas was like, I thought it was about privacy. I thought that's what y'all were yammering about all this time. Well, she goes on to say, um, it's really about liberty and, quote, whatever generality the court applies. There's nothing constitutional in this right here. Nothing constitutional. And this isn't even a, this isn't about protecting a woman's right or even about her burden. Like I said, this is about destroying America, destroy and not just destroying the fabric of America in terms of Judeo Christian principles and values, but also a, a republic of states, right? Because if and, and again, this goes back to the stare decisis thing. Because you think of all the other ways in which they want to centralize the far left agenda through SCOTUS, and then it's forever permanently entrenched in our society. That includes centralizing our elections. That includes making it possible for illegal immigrants to vote. That includes that we, that we don't have a right. The same people that are yammering today about the 14th Amendment and liberty for a woman to have the right to kill another human being. This is not your body, your choice. And that's something that should have been better explained today scientifically, right? Uh, it's not your body, lady. Yet that unborn child has separate DNA. That unborn child has a different, probably a different, I have a different blood type than, than my biological parents, Right? Um, so you think, so, you know, what happened to that argument for us with COVID, right? And and these shots, if, if this is about stare decisis, this is about wanting to centralize every aspect of our legislative process through the courts. And then it's forever cemented, uh, again, like our election rights, um, our, our bodies in terms of these shot mandates and what the government's power is over us whenever they deem necessary uh, for, quote, emergency, et cetera. Something you want to add before we take Just a break, the, You know, it, to be honest, I mean, it, it should actually be the opposite. I should look forward to things going to the Supreme Court for justice to be served. It's scary to see some of these key issues go all the way up to the top where they're going to rule, and then there's not a darn thing you can do about whatever they've said. Right. Right. And that's and that's that's ultimately the point. It's not really about states' rights as much as it is. Well, kind of is, but it's a bigger picture than that. We've got unelected people with lifetime appointments 
usurping the entire will of the United States of America. We, we don't. Who's controlling the United States of America at this point? SCOTUS. Who sat back and let let a presidential election be stolen? SCOTUS. When they could have stepped in and done something about it. Look at that. They're really the ones in control of us. And I've been warning about this for years, that the left was moving all the power of this country into the Department of Justice, into our court systems. And you've got to think about, you know, and, and, and the left is our masters at playing the emotions, right, of this argument. Let me tell you something. What are they saying today? That you should, I'm talking to you ladies, that you should not be able to have an abortion past 15 weeks. You need 15 weeks to make this decision, lady. Something's wrong with you. Stop trying, to, stop trying to play on the emotions of the misogynist and people are evil and how dare you. How dare you not be able to. I mean, that, all they're asking for you is to, is to make a re- be reasonably responsible, right? And do it before you, your, your child is developed enough to have a heartbeat and feel pain. How about you want to you want to yammer about uh, the undue burden on a mother? How about the undue burden on a child who's literally cut apart inside the womb? Or smothered in the first trimester. Going to take a break. We're going to bring in uh, Tom DeBocaro and get his legal analysis. See if he saw any any hints from the justices today about where this might be going. And see if he thinks I'm wrong about ultimately what this is about. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter and Instagram at Andrea K Show, spelled K-A-Y-E. And connect with her on OurFreeNation.org. A.K., Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. You know what you can call me right now, babies? Amused. Get this, Skins. You're going to get a kick out of this. <laughs> Guess what Alec Baldwin is saying today about the shooting? Remember the shooting? We haven't forgotten about it here on AAK Show. Guess what Guess what he's saying now? I'm afraid to ask. He's saying that he doesn't recall pulling the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, it's not funny, but it, what? Yeah, now, I'm not a gun expert. I don't know if Tom DeBocaro is. Maybe, he, maybe he's got some experience with bullets thrusting themselves out of the chamber or out of the clip. Well, obviously, because if Baldwin didn't pull the trigger, I mean, the, the, the gun cell fired. Exactly. Exactly. So, Tom DeBacaro, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. How are you, love? Yeah, I, that was one of the better quotes today where he <laughs> literally said, I, would, I wouldn't do that, but you did. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but, you know, and, and particularly since, Tom Dell, before we get into, you're, you're here to bring your legal expertise to the Supreme Court and these oral arguments today, but this is a legal case involving... Uh, 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 in my opinion, and pretty much it seems like the evidence that, as everybody sees it, is gross negligence, negligent homicide on a movie set. This this dude still hasn't been arrested. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's certainly civil liability lurking here. The, um, the the then the question becomes: Is he subject to negligent homicide? There is an open case. Uh, he's not a flight risk. I think they're going, it's going to be a high profile case. At best, they're going through this very patiently to make sure they have all their ducks in a row before they do something, or they're just going to let him go. Well, yeah, they're, I think they're waiting it out. They're just, you know, they're, they're hoping that, you know, other things are going to happen, that people are going to forget about it. And um, because that's kind of what happens in America. It's like with this 24 hours news cycle, it's, 
and streaming and news everywhere all day, every day, it's like, you know, squirrel, you know, and people get distracted and they, you know, they forget. Um, so let's get to SCOTUS today. Um, some of the things that, that people are reacting to, some of the big headlines is Sotomayor um, comparing fetuses to uh, brain dead people. And her, yeah, com- was, yeah, and her yeah. comment, her other one too, and then I'll let you react to both. Her other one, Tom Dell, was that the stench, if this case is is um, it won by the plaintiffs, that the stench of the court for its for its politics will forever um, stink up the United States. Yeah, well, first of all, she was never qualified to be on the court, but she is there now. Um, the the first one just shows. I, I can't even, I read that, I can't, you, there's no saying on how horrible anyone could be to even conceive that. Yeah. This shows you their utter disregard of human life. Yeah. That's number one. Um, number two, it, uh, I, I almost laughed out loud when her and Kagan both talked about this threatens uh, turning this over threatens to make the court a political institution subject to changes depending on the majority. Oh, so you mean like, I don't know, stacking the Supreme court uh-huh. um, or, or, you know, her, you're talking about Sotomayor saying uh, is the constitution and its reading are just political acts. You mean like, an originalist would ask that question. Are you reading the Constitution as an updated political document or law? And yet here she is in the ultimate hypocrisy saying, mm-hmm. if you change this, you're, you're no longer saying something has solid presidential value. Oh, yeah. You mean like your entire career where you've been reading life into words on a paper. So other hypocrisy to be sure well absolutely and you know i was disturbed by it it, well roe v wade was political you know um there was nothing in the constitution it was supposed to be about privacy there's nothing in the constitution that that that, and uh kavanaugh believe it or not pointed this out today he said the constitution is silent on this and when and when it's it's not pro-life nor pro-choice and when the constitution is silent on something it's supposed to be dealt with at the states Right. So the fact that this was centralized in the first place, that, that they crafted some kind of gobbledygook nonsense to allow a woman the right to kill another human being simply because of geography that was inside her womb was political on its face. So, you know, that was ridiculous. And, uh, and this woman today yammering about um, liberty and whatever generality the courts applies, you know, she's making a general argument on liberty. But then she says we've got to apply viability um, to avoid um, others making general philosophical arguments. So you're right. The hypocrisy was is ridiculous going on here. Um, I didn't like how Breyer was talking about he was very concerned about politics. And uh, today, um, at least that's what I thought Probably. he was getting at. But, but you know, it was hard to tell because he, he was almost Joe Biden today. He was he was kind of, you know, yammering around. Um, uh, you're, let what, me, let what, me draw just to, to go back to Roe v. Wade. Um, there, there is this issue of whether you're right. You, there is some sort of right to privacy inherent. Or in the penumbras, and then from there, 
meaning could government go into your bedroom in mm-hmm. in certain regards so then the question becomes what uh how does that relate to a fetus and look in Roe v. Wade they outright said that there's competing interests here at some point and even uh, shockingly the uh, solicitor general Elizabeth Kolagar said that um there is two interests here, which is not what the Democrat Party believes today in D.C. They believe in abortion, if you remember, even after the baby's born, if it survives. So that was striking that she said that. But the, the problem with Roe v. Wade over the decades has been that there was it wasn't the law they adopted. They adopted a the science of the time saying that viability was at 24 weeks. And that viability is, to, is central to the holding of the case. You, could, you mean, you just can't get around that, right? And so, you know, it is, quote, it is reasonable and appropriate for a state to decide that at some point in time, another interest, that of the health of the mother or that of potential life becomes significantly involved which they decided was the trimester. They really made trimesters famous at the end of the first trimester. So by adopting the science of the time as law, this day was sure to come because science is moving forward. Viability is going from 24 weeks towards zero weeks, not from 24 towards nine months. And so by making a flawed decision dependent on science, oh God, there's that word again. Yeah. This was going to happen. And so it was uh, uh, the question today was from Roberts of all people, well, why isn't 15 weeks enough time? Yeah, hello. And, the, and so where this may well come out is they don't have to overturn Roe v. Wade like those on the left are screaming. But they can modify it. Remember, the Supreme Court, most appellate courts take the path of smallest resistance. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they want to do the narrowest ruling, change the least that they can. That's sort of their rule. And if so, they could switch. They could uphold Mississippi saying 24 weeks is, is, was one thing in the 70s, but 15 weeks is acceptable now. Under the same rubric as as Roe v. Wade. So the argument on the left would be ludicrous saying they have no right to do this since all they're doing is changing a number. Well, she argued today, um, what's her face did, that um, viability that experts say it's really around 20 something, you know, tw- at least 20 weeks. I think the youngest to survive at this point uh, is 21 weeks. So not really 15, um, but it's still not 24. And, you know, this whole thing about viability um, should have never been brought into the picture because we shouldn't be, you know, either it's a human being or it's not, you know. And, and, you know, there's there's seven-month-old babies born at seven months that end up passing away. And now we've got babies at 21 weeks living so, you know, the, you know, that's, that's just a convenient way. It's kind of like the mask debate. You know, the left loves to get us to suck us into debating whether or not masks work. I don't care whether or not masks, whether or not you think a mask work. I'm not going to debate you on that. You don't have the right to demand I wear a mask. 
right? So by allowing us to get sucked into a viability argument, you know, basically it's a win for them. Because it's because they're we're saying at some point that it's okay to kill a baby and that and to devalue life. Yeah, I was just giving the the quote legal I, I understand. end of it. Yeah, they have no grounds for arguing that the viability standard is moving since it always was going to be moving. Right. Look, in general, you either accept. Or you apparently don't. You are, you know I'm pro-life. Yeah. You either accept life begins at conception or you don't. The Supreme Court actually put that in the Roe v. Wade decision, discussed that issue. Um, they don't believe that. Um, they had a lot of interesting things in that case as I looked at it, read it again today. But at the end of the day, the question becomes, will this be the monster case that the left is predicting, meaning threatening to take away abortion rights wholesale, or will it be a more narrow decision where they uphold this shorter notice period? Uh, And I I tend to think that they're going to uphold the shorter notice period. There's no way Roberts uh, uh, is going to vote. I don't even think Kavanaugh will vote to completely change those rights. No, I don't believe it for a second. I don't believe. And that's what everybody's um, seeing at this point. You know, Kavanaugh, he's going to, you know, because he talked about neutrality. Look, Kavanaugh was the one that rewarded after they destroyed him in the nomination process. He couldn't even teach coach basketball anymore. And people wanted child protective services called because he was falsely accused of gang rape. What was his response to that was to hire an all female, you know, staff. Which to, which is discriminatory, and it was please like me, and it was a complete cave and submission to the left. So I, you know, I, I don't I don't trust him at all. Um, I thought Amy Coney Barrett's thing today about second trimester twenty seven versus twenty four weeks was convoluted. I wasn't quite sure what the point was, but I did agree with her that ultimately, in my opinion, this is really about stare decisis. What this was and always about, in my opinion, was never even actually about abortion or babies. It was it was about. Um, piercing the Constitution, piercing states' rights, and being able to have unelected people in lifetime appointments and robes being able to legislate from the bench, and then once they do, it's settled. And our culture, except, our except culture, and our they, country is forever changed. And they, you, you can only go in their direction by increasing the power of the courts or moving their progressive agenda. You can't go, you can't reverse anything anymore, although clearly we have revor- reversed very big things. Um, like Brown know, versus Board. Board and, and I, yeah, in fact, Kavanaugh listed a few today. But when, you know, when was the last time, you know, we couldn't even get Obamacare, you know, thrown out. And just, Roberts was the one who said, I'm going to c- consider it not being a tax in order to make the case ripe so they'll hear it. And then he agreed that it was a tax in order to prop it up. You know, this is what... which didn't, by the way, started the house, which would have made it unconstitutional as well. Um, yeah, he no, he's he's a, turned out to be a disaster. And I, what's going to be interesting is who's going to write this opinion, because it's not going to be the three liberal justices. It's go, if it survives, if they write an opinion five to four, which is where I think it's going to end up. Uh, saying that the Mississippi 15-week is enough, then you are going to see probably an Alito uh, write this opinion. We'll have to see. 
I can't, I can't believe Roberts will put his name on it, but no. we'll have to see. Well, it'll be interesting. Tom Dell, thank you for being here. Uh, tell you, tell it. You're all over the place with your books and your articles and you this and you that. Well, tell I'm it. trying to do less. I really am. <laughs> sure. But people can go to politicalvanguard.com if they want to get a look. I, I have a new Newsmax article up there about why the Democrats are actually going to become more liberal in 2023 than they are today. Of and course why. they will. I believe it. All right. Thank you for being here, my dear. Bye, love. Bye. All right, stay tuned. We got more to talk about. Did you guys know that some red states are actually paying unemployment benefits to people that get fired because they refuse the jab? I'm liking this. Guess who's not? We'll stay stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E, and connect with her on ourfreenation.org. Andrea K, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. <gasps> Did you know, Skins, who's here? Who's made it to California? What evil beast has made it all the way here? Oh, it's got to be the Omicron. The Omicron. <gasps> one person in California has it. Yeah, I'm mocking it. You want to know why I'm mocking it? Because one person in California has it. And oh, by the way, you know why? I'm, uh, not just that, because it's one person out of what? We have 40 million people here in California. But because the person who has it had been vaccinated, although somebody on the news on this local station here that pretends to be conservative says the person was fully vaccinated, but we don't know if they got the booster. Right. Uh Uh-huh. There's no such thing as a vaccination for this. Right. This is nothing about trying to create panic on the part of Americans and to give Biden the opportunity to do like he did, which was extend transit mask mandate through mid-March. According to services, this uh, to um, the news, this is going to extend to travelers on airplanes, trains and buses uh, through mid-March. You don't even know what the heck is going to be going on in this country in March. Are you telling me, Andrea, that they shift the goalpost again? Uh, yeah. This Omicron, it sure showed up. And, and I'm saying, um, you know, first of all, how did I mean, we found out about this Omicron like five seconds ago. One person shows up in California. And they had a test to determine this variant? How did, how did that test how come How do you know how to detect it? Good question, right? Well, and the guy that did, that did discover it has already said that the media is overhyping this. I mean, it, it's, it's, the truth's already out there. Of course, because this is just an extension of power. This is a power grab brought to you by the same people that are arguing today and argued today in front of the Supreme Court that under the 14th Amendment, you've got the right to have liberty and body autonomy. This is not about liberty and body autonomy for the left. This is about Marxism in this country, right? Um, and, and another way that you can know that in the same callous way that they want, they want children to be slaughtered in the womb and they want women to think that's okay and they got women disgustingly outside SCOTUS today bragging about it and talking about abortion save lives and bragging about abortions and, and on and on. Um, they're also happy to to deny therapeutics and treatments that work so that they can amp the, the death count for power. That's what it was about. They know that remdesivir, which Fauci, Fauci pushed out, is killing patients, making it to the hospitals. They know that early treatment saves lives and they want to deny to people, right? Here's the case, though. Um, I know you printed this argument. This is a great story. Yeah. So there's this uh, 71-year-old man from Hong Kong who flew into Illinois to celebrate his granddaughter's first birthday. 
he became ill with COVID, and within days he was close close to death. So, because um, obviously he was diagnosed and didn't get treatment, right? So he goes into the hospital. Um, he worsened uh, dramatically. He was intubated and placed on a ventilator a few days later. His daughter, who's got a doctoral degree in mechanical engineering, did some research and decided that her father should take ivermectin. Um, so um, she found a doctor that was willing outside the hospital, willing to you know prescribe it. The hospital refused to allow him in. So she goes to the court on her father's behalf. And gets a temporary restraining order saying the hospital has to allow the ivermectin. The hospital refused to comply. Think about that for a moment. This man's dying and they're telling him he doesn't have the right to take a drug that could save his life. And you actually think that any of this has to do with anybody's health? A drug that's been proven over and over again to work. Right. So, um... So then there was a subsequent... uh, An additional hearing, subsequent hearing on November 5th. Um, she goes back to court. Her father at that point was on his deathbed. He had a 10 to 15% chance of survival. Um, she goes, the judge issues then a, a preliminary injunction um, telling the hospital they have to immediately allow uh, temporary emergency privileges to Dr. Alan Bain. The hospital denied him access because they said he hadn't been vaccinated. That was their excuse. And um, so the daughter uh, goes back to uh, court and the judge admonished the hospital and and restated that they must allow the doctor in. Um, So then then the hospital again filed a motion to stop this from happening. And the judge was like, you need to let this doctor in. Okay, we're done with this. We're done with these games here with you going back and forth. This is a hospital actively knowing a man is is close to death and refusing to allow him. They don't care. They do not care. So if you are of the mind and you're listening to Sean Hannity or Dr. Oz, who was all about Fauci and all about masks and all about, you know, distancing and all about vaccines and denying therapeutics, um, it, you know, um, I don't even forgot where I was going with that. I got, I got distracted by Dr. Oz throwing his hat in the ring here. Um, you need to wake up and realize that this was never about your health. This was always about power. And uh, these therapeutics have proven to work. And we're, and we're killing Americans uh, as a result. He um, immediately, he was weaned off oxygen. He was home without an oxygen tank, and he's doing well. How about that? So he survived. Yeah, uh, uh, Dr. Oz, I'm glad I brought that up because I saw um, that he was on Hannity last night, and he was, he's decided to run for Senate in, in Philadelphia. And his message was so crafted establishment generic stuff about your liberties and i'm like look man you were all about fauci last summer all about denying these uh, the uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine and, we, and and denying therapeutics and thinking that everybody should you he was all about the lockdowns all about the the masks and all this kind of stuff that's why i stopped listening to hannity so now we now he's coming out there running for office pretending like you know he wasn't you know pimping for for moderna a few months ago Right. Um, so I, for those of you who actually were excited about Dr. That's a feel Ross, good story. And it also goes to show that, you know, once again, these therapeutics, they do work. Well, of course they work. And, and that's why um, these governors around the country, uh, you know, doctors everywhere were hoovering up hydroxychloroquine, Z-Packs, um, prednisone and all the different treatments and ivermectin that were working. Right. 
Um, so, yeah, that's a really good story. I'm loving that. Um, we're going to take a break. We come back. We might need to talk about uh, updates. Biden is touting his solutions on the supply chain problem, Skins. And he's saying he, you know, his, his dealing with the supply chain has averted a crisis. Stay tuned. We're going to be okay for the holidays. Biden's on it. <laughs> Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Facebook at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. And connect with her on ourfreenation.org. Andrea K, bringing the world a much needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrew K. Show. Finishing up this hump day. Here was a little piece of good news today. Kind of. Uh, nearly 9,000 Marines skins um, just refused. Deadline came and went and said, we're not going to get jabbed. Good for them for standing up. Right? Simplify, man, to these Marines. That That's that's a hero's. Part of this is what this is about is uh, particularly with the military is it's almost like a test of of they want to purge the conservatives they want to purge those that are independent thinkers they want to urge those that are about individual liberty right and and it can be contradictory because you think you know well it's not about the individual and the marines right that's why they cut everybody's hair off and everybody's got to wear identical clothing but what the military as a unit is supposed to be about is the U.S. Constitution and what we were founded on, which was individual liberty and freedom, not to be a part of a collective to where the government controls everybody's movements. They were supposed to stand in the gap without politics. And that's now right. That's slowly changing. Exactly. So we'll see what happens with these 9,000 or so Marines. But think about, you know, what we talked about with John Guandola last night. We've got Iran days away from. Um, you know, weapons grade and I uranium. Saw nothing in the headlines today that says that the right. U.S. is trying to stop that. Right. And, well, you know, we're going to be able to if we lose, you know, half of our fighting force because people leave and go. You know what? I'm not going to get jabbed. Things are, you know, um, Nancy Mace, who I'm not particularly, I don't like her at all. Um, you know, has been talking about how they made a visit to Taiwan and China's getting aggressive and the U.S. military, U.S. government might need to defend Taiwan. And it's like, first of all. Look at the, how they're purging our military. Second of all, the U.S. government didn't defend Americans and allies over in Afghanistan and left them for slaughter behind enemy terrorist Taliban, you know, checkpoints. OK, the U.S. Go- the U.S. government is not in a position, nor does it have the will to target anybody but Americans who believe in individual liberty and who believe in the U.S. Constitution and put America first. I don't think they're looking outward anymore. They're like no. you said they're on an agenda and they're looking in. Exactly. We're the enemy now, right? Um, here's another p- interesting piece. This was an arg- article you provided for me yesterday, Washington Examiner. 600-plus Google employees have signed a manifesto opposing the company vaccine mandate. And when you read this, there are their comments. It's like, are you sure they don't work at, like, you know, Salem or Newsmax or, or One America News? Here's what they said. Um, they said, barring unvaccinated Googlers. I didn't know they called themselves good. Googlers from the office publicly and possibly embarrassingly exposes a private choice as it would be difficult for the Googler not to reveal why they cannot return. Right. I mean, it's it's you know, it's kind of like if you're not jabbed, you can still work, but the unjabbed have to wear masks and the jabs don't. And so it's segregation. It's it's the it's the star. okay, on on the jacket. It's exactly what it is. They go on to say that um, it would violate the employee's medical privacy and would be used to justify intrusive medical impositions. That's what it already is. That's what this is. 
By denying therapeutics that work, they were able to keep death counts high. They were able to keep it as a justification. Got to keep that fear up. Well, as well as a, a justification for control over our lives. And not just for this virus, but then for anything that comes down. Because if they can get it, if they can get us forced into the collective, that it's not just about you getting the shot to protect yourself, but to protect others, then there's no end to it. Am I the only one, Andrea? I mean, every time I see, and of course on face value, I mean, it sounds nice, but when you see the phrase, you know, out and about, we're all in this together, that just rubs me the wrong way. It should, because this is what it's about. It's about forcing into the collective. I'm not in this with you. If I choose to get the shot, it's supposed to be because it's about protecting me, not about you. I'm not responsible for your health. Right. I and, and getting the shot, by the way, first of all, it doesn't protect you against covid or any variant. But, you know, but you don't know who's standing next to you at the grocery store who doesn't have TB, who doesn't have hepatitis C and or just you go out to eat. Right. You, you know, it's it's this false security that Americans are buying into to where they're allowing themselves to be sucked into being forced in this collective mindset. I'm not responsible for your health. The number one way in which you can prevent getting it is by taking taking care of your health. I can't decide whether or not you eat fruits and vegetables like I do. Yeah, I post pictures of cakes all day long. That ain't how I eat all day long. I eat fruits and vegetables. Tonight I will go home and eat another salad or I'll roast some Brussels sprouts, right? I'll eat lean chicken. I can't make sure you put the foot your fork down and you don't get obese, which is the number one issue. It's diabetes and you all know, these comorbidities. Oh, oh, all these comorbidities, comorbidities and age. And none of that has anything to do with this shot. The Googlers went on to say, um, the implications are chilling. Due to its uh, presence as an industry leader, Google's mandate will influence companies around the world to consider these as acceptable trade-off, which is, you know, staying at home and, you know, the whole segregation thing. Um, Our vaccination requirements are one of the most important ways we can keep our workforce state. This is Google statement and keep our services running. A Google person uh, said Um, there's this is just flat out Marxist propaganda. Uh, But hat tip to these 600 workers. We all need to stand together. Right. They the 600 got together uh, within this organization. They work for right. Brave. They're staying together there. Um, we need to band together, you know, uh, uh, out and in, in, in publicly and in our communities. We need, need to support. There was a 16-year-old girl who filed a lawsuit here in San Diego schools uh, block, to block the vaccine mandate. And so far, um, uh, cor- the court temporarily blocked San Diego schools' vaccine mandate. We got to stand up. We got to stand up for our freedoms. We've each got to become activists. We can't just expect our elected officials to do it because that's not going to work. Happy hump day. Brian Maloney in for me tomorrow night, but I'll be back on Friday because I'm traveling tomorrow. Peace out. Love you all. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.